And as your personal instructor, you don't have to believe what I, what I believe, but if you're going to exercise your heart, if you're going to put your heart on the treadmill, I want you to be aware of the fact that you have a heart, you have a soul. There's a part of you, even if you don't believe in God, I, everybody that I know that, that I've really got down to talk to who is an atheist has either had, had some kind of experience in their life where they thought, whoa, maybe there is a God. Either tucking their kids in for bed, maybe a, a word from one of their children. I knew a gal once that saw a leaf one day. She was in a dark time in her life, and she said that she looked down and a raindrop hit a leaf as soon as she opened her eyes. And at that po- moment in her life, she thought, whoa, you know, there's, is there a God? There's a God. <laughs> you know, She still didn't really believe, but at that point she admitted that there is something there. And that's a nudge of the heart. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But your heart is tied to your brain, but it's not necessarily cognizant of what's going on in your mind. Our mind makes impacts on our heart. Our fleshy mind can strike against our heart. And depending on what choices we make, it can feed our heart, make our heart healthy. And it's a lot easier to feed our heart the unhealthy stuff. Even the heart that's in your body that pumps blood, you know, you look around and there's a McDonald's on every corner. There's Burger Kings everywhere. And not all of them have salad bars. And even the ones that do, McDonald's talked about the fact that they're trying to do this whole heart-healthy type of menu. And a lot of the fast food places now are introducing these uh, healthy eating kind of menus and food items and stuff. And they did some market research on this and found that, guess what? Not a lot of people that go to McDonald's buy fruit salad. A lot of them salads that sit behind the counter in the fridge there, they they end up in the trash the end of the night. A lot of people, they go to McDonald's, they smell them french fries and see the big, huge pictures of the juicy cheeseburgers. And that's how your heart is, your spirit. It's easy to get into those conversations, you know, where you just start talking about negative crap and how everything's garbage and the country's going down the tubes. And It's easier to talk that way. I don't know why the world's built that way, but it is. And you ever notice you get in those conversations, you start to take part in that stuff or get around people who are always looking at the glass half-empty type of attitude... And you start to feel cloudy. You start to feel rainy. You start to feel like, yeah, blah. And I'll admit it, man, I get in those conversations too sometimes. And I've got to finally catch myself and start to say, wait. You know, there's a bright side that I can pull up out of this conversation. Start to inflict some positive there. I heard uh, Sean Alexander on the radio. Sean Alexander is a receiver for the Seahawks, big uh, famous football player. And he was talking about joy. He was talking about how he uh, he tries to bring joy to everything he does. He tries to have a, a positive attitude and, and be happy and cheerful about stuff. And he was talking about how, yeah, you know, people look at him and say, 
Yeah, that's easy for you. You're a famous football star who makes millions of dollars. You have a beautiful wife, and you know, but that's not always true. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen to a human being is for them to get everything they want. And for Sean Alexander, it can be a lot of pain. There can be a lot of problems with being rich and famous. You have a lot more stuff on your plate. And uh, I was talking to my 16-year-old daughter about this, and she was, you know, you're happy when you get all your, the stuff you want, and that's just not true. Look at a lot of the other sports stars out there. Look at Terrell Owens. The basketball, NBA, has got a bunch of guys on there who are rich and famous and ended up in jail. They don't got their heart right. A lot of guys would look at them and think, wow, they really have it made. But their heart isn't right. And when your heart's not right, there's no joy. It doesn't matter what you have, how rich and famous you are. If your heart isn't right, the rest of your life is, is going crazy. It's going nuts. It's a disaster. I own a couple of dot-coms. I own this uh, digitalaudioproject.com. I also own a, like a, search, a directory type of a website. It's mostusefulwebs.com. Back in 1999, I sat down with an uh, investment capital rep, so to speak, and I was almost given a uh, big chunk of money to get this website up and going and hire a staff. I'd have all these servers and computers and hardware at my beck and call. These people are just going to give me millions of dollars, even though I had a lack of education. This was back during the dot-com boom, and everybody was handing out money to dot-coms left and right. And that happened a month before the NASDAQ crash. Back in 1999, the NASDAQ fell, biggest chunk it's ever fallen by. And, uh, yeah, a lot of that dot-com money just went bye-bye. All of a sudden, people didn't return my calls. I got a another appointment with the uh, the guy and basically I sat in his office and he said you can put your business on our servers for free but we cannot pay you we can pay you in stock options through the parent company which was uh, owned by WorldCom we all know what happened with WorldCom I think and I got kind of mad at God at the time I was bitter I was kind of uh, you know this was my my dream. This was my this was my aspirations. I wanted this bad. I wanted to be in the internet business. And I got ticked off at God. But you know, my heart was not in a place at that time where I could have handled that much money. I had not, I would have not been able to handle being, uh, being wealthy or running a company with somebody else's money of that extent, of that volume, I would have really screwed my life up if I was given that sum of money, that kind of responsibility at that time in my life. So I thank God for that. I thank God that I wasn't given that opportunity. That and the whole WorldCom thing, if I was, I probably would have uh, lost everything. God saved me from a whole lot of pain, but I didn't see that at the time. 
I was angry. I was mad at God. And I think that is the root of sin. That is the root of all sin and anger against God is, is where it all starts. I had to get out my disappointment, my frustration, and my anger with God and the rest of my life to heal my heart. And that's the topic of today, is forgiveness. And this may be a tough workout for you. Forgiveness is not easy, but it's critically important to your heart. If you've got an unforgiving spirit, if you've got someone that you haven't forgiven, if you've got something big that you haven't forgiven in your life, it can eat you alive. It's heart disease. And it's slowly killing you. I heard someone say on a, on a TV show, he said, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. For me, a lot of it was forgiving God. Even though God didn't do anything wrong. I believe God's holy. God's sovereign. But I was angry at God like a teenager. I heard it said that God gives us teenagers so we can experience how He feels. I don't know if you ever have teenagers, if you know anybody who's uh, 14, 15 years old, if you're parents. But teenagers don't... Uh, teenagers just buck the rules as part of their development. I think it's part of their emotional... growing emotionally. It comes with the growing up. Even when you know it's good for you as a, as a teenager, when I was a teenager, I knew that my parents loved me and were telling me what you know was the right thing to do, but I didn't listen. I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel like it. So I had to get out my frustration with God. I had a counselor tell me to read the Psalms. And David was a guy who got in God's face when things weren't working out. He got it out of him. He didn't let it sit inside of his heart and stew and disease his heart. Churches I used to go to, well, you don't you dare get mad at God. That's evil. That's wrong. Psalms are all about David. I mean, David was a man after God's own heart. Those are God's words. So maybe you're angry at your situation in life. Everything's not working out the way you planned. You're in a dead-end job, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're, something fell out in your business dealings like me. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe your marriage isn't going the way you planned. Maybe you don't have the white picket fence and the, and the home that you want. All this stuff is part of your journey. It's all happening for a reason. And it has to do with your heart. It has to do with overcoming your own heart disease. Is there someone you haven't forgiven? Is there a loved one? Is there a parent? Is there some kind of bound up hurt? Some kind of pain in your heart because of someone wronged you? Have they asked for forgiveness? Maybe they haven't even asked for forgiveness. Forgive them anyway. You can have boundaries with those folks, but you can forgive them. 
call them up and talk to them and say, this is how I've been hurting. This is what I feel you did to hurt me. But I forgive you. I am going to forgive you for that. Write a letter. Write an email. Talk to them on the phone. Meet them face to face. And this is going to be tough, man. This is a tough exercise. This is going to be like walking five miles on the treadmill for some of you. There's a ton of books on this subject. But forgiveness is is critically important. There's a story in the Bible of a guy who was in debtor's prison back in the uh, Bible times. You'd be thrown in prison if you didn't pay your bills. And this guy owed, you know, adjust for inflation and say this guy owed a million dollars. And he was locked away. And the bastard came to him one day and said, uh, I'm going to forgive you your debt. You're free from your debt. You can go. And the guy's all excited. He's like, right on. And he gets out of prison. And the first thing he does is he finds another servant that owes him a dollar and grabs him by the shirt and shakes him and says, you're going to give me that dollar you owe me. That is an illustration for you. If you're a Christian, the amount that God has forgiven you is huge. The sin that you've been forgiven of, I deserve to be beaten and shot and thrown in the dungeon forever. But Jesus paid my debt. Paid my debt in full. I've been forgiven. And for me to hold on to unforgiveness of another person or of myself, and the more acceptable it is for me, the more I accept, the more I accept unforgiveness and leave it lodged there in my heart, the worse off I am. The worse my addiction was, the harder it was to shake because my heart was so locked up and hurting that this immediate gratification that I did would soothe it a little bit. Made me feel good for a little bit. I would do that, stroke my flesh, and make my flesh feel good, and it never filled the void, it never filled the hole, the wound in my heart. Didn't do it. It was funny how when you finish something like that, you, you don't feel your heart crying out, Stop doing that! You don't necessarily hear that message. Your heart's not jumping up and down and freaking out and saying, Hey, quit it! But you feel it wounded. You feel the fact that it's been hurt a little bit, that it's been wounded, that it's not expanding, that your actions are not getting it healthier. And the thing about your spiritual heart is it's not going to stay in one place. It's not just sitting there doing nothing. It's like the ant that's trying to roll the egg up a hill. And this egg is so important to him. It's his food for the winter. Feed his whole family of 4,750. So he's rolling this this egg up this hill, and he realizes he needs a little momentum to get it up there. And he keeps pushing it, and he gets about halfway up the hill. And that egg is not going to just sit there and rest halfway up the hill. He's either going to roll down over the top of him, he's either going to push it up to the destination, or it's going to roll over the top of him and roll all the way back down the hill and probably break. And if it does or it doesn't, he's going to get another one, roll it back up the hill again. 
And your heart is like that. Your heart's not going to just stay in one place. It's either getting sicker or getting healthier. So that's my message for you. That's my challenge to you. That's my direction as your personal trainer is to get you on the treadmill of forgiveness. I know there's people that have hurt you in the past. Maybe that person is yourself. Like me, I've talked about in past shows how I had to forgive myself. I had self-hatred issues. If it's another person, it can be very difficult. Especially if this person has not repented. If they've not fessed up to the fact that they've hurt you. But you forgive them. And you put up boundaries to keep them from hurting you more. But the fact that you forgive them is half the battle. It's rebuilding that relationship. At least you have a relationship. I know a guy who has a brother who is a junkie. And he's not gotten help. He's not got into rehab. He's At the time, he's still stuck in his addiction. And my friend has forgiven him for all the hurt and all the stuff he stole from him and all the pain that he's caused him through his life. He's forgiven his brother. He loves his brother. And once in a while, his brother will come to the door and say, I am cold. I'm homeless. I have no place to stay. And my friend, knowing that his brother is in this situation, will invite him in, but he will put him in a room where he's locked away from the rest of the house. That's a boundary. That's a, you know, he's got a room, he's got a bathroom, and he stays there. And he knows that if he's not going to get clean, he cannot keep staying there unless he makes that, that commitment to get clean. But he puts a lock on the rest of his house. He doesn't just let this guy come in his house and steal everything he owns. He loves his brother, he's forgiven his brother, but he's still got boundaries there. And the extent of your boundaries is part of your forgiveness, too. Uh, don't put up boundaries where you don't need to. I have a friend that went through a severe trying time in his life. Good friend of mine. Good guy. One of those guys who's kind of a pillar of the church type of guy. Great man. I look up to that guy. His wife is a great lady, too. And they had uh, infidelity in their marriage. She uh, ended up going outside the marriage. And he was so angry and so upset. I mean, he felt like his heart had been crushed. Just wanted her to get out, get away, get out of my life. But in his heart, he still loved his wife. There was love in there somewhere. And through counseling and stuff, and he was talking to a friend, and he was just about ready to leave and pack his bags and get the heck out. And somebody asked him if he still loved her. And he said, yeah. And they said, would you take a bullet for her? And he said, thought about it, and he said, yeah. He said, I would take a bullet for her. That's how much I love her. And he said, well, then forgive her. That's taking a bullet. And there's a lot of other stuff in that. He wrote a book called Taking a Bullet. And I hope it gets published someday, because I think it could change a lot of people's lives. And the journey he went through, through that, that pain in his life, was, was incredible. And the, and the fact that she had to forgive him a bit. I mean, and the, when there's an affair in a marriage, it's not one person's fault. Everybody wants to point fingers at the cheater. But there's two sides to a broken relationship. Forgive.
forgiveness goes both ways. Maybe you're a sex addict or you're addicted to porn because your relationship isn't working out the way you would like. You're going outside your marriage, whether you're just masturbating or, or not, or whether you're having a heartfelt affair. It's all heart disease. And it can be changed. It can be fixed. It can be ratified. My friend and his wife, through fixing their marriage, through going through counseling, have both been tools of God, being in a real atmosphere where they can talk about their issues. Now James is one of those guys in the church who keeps it moving, who keeps it going forward, who's uh, got great ministries going on. The way God's used both of their lives, it's unbelievable. And had they have not got on the treadmill and really decided to heal their hearts, work their hearts, exercise their hearts, and one great big one for both of them was forgiveness. Forgiveness is so critically important. So do that. Forgive somebody. Forgive yourself. Forgive God. Get out all your aggression. Get out all your hurt feelings towards God. Just get in solitude someplace and pray and grieve. Go through the Psalms. Set your heart free. Thanks again for listening. Your personal trainer has spoken, and now I want you to go out there and get in the gym. Go out there and exercise that heart of yours. Welcome to the fire. Just do it. Until next week. This is Russ Shaw. Thanks again for listening.